Well, welcome to the Situation Report for September 6th, 2023. It's Lieutenant Colonel Murray. Lieutenant Colonel Murray, I've today. Sorry, I can't speak. But joined by Trooper, going to be joined in a minute by Lieutenant Colonel Conrad, potentially Lieutenant Colonel Piper. We're going to continue the discussion from last week. We're going to talk through a few other things. Some administrative notes. Um, most of you that listen to me on on uh, True Social and on Getter and on on Rumble are not on Telegram. But over the last several months, Telegram has gotten to be has gotten to be more toxic. And they have they have steadily decreased numbers in I think everybody's channels. I think everybody said it now that they're watching their 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 subscriber numbers go down. I don't know if Telegram's cleaning up the user roles. I don't know if they are purposely shadow banning people to be honest I, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there but suffice it to say that there is a host of issues with telegram one of which is first and foremost there's been an uptick in people shit posting in channels and I, i'll be the first one to tell you that i'm completely out of patience with it I'm completely out of patience with people that want to dominate the channels, that want to express their opinion as it's the only opinion. It's bad enough that True Social, Getter, Telegram are all echo chambers. What we need right now, and what I don't have any patience for, is the fact that people are basically shunned into silence because they don't agree with groupthink. We don't need groupthink right now. The one thing we need the most of is people to check their egos and realize they are not right about everything. I get it right about 40% of the time. And I don't want to be that guy that gets it right all the time. First of all, that would be really creepy. Second of all, it'd be sketchy as fuck. And thirdly, it would be really annoying. I don't want to be any of those things. I'm already, it's already bad enough that you deal with so many different personality types they don't want to tell you exactly what you should be doing or how right or how wrong you are. You deal with that every day. But then when you get in the channel, people are legitimately trying to ask questions and they basically get pushed into a corner by people that have never done anything in their lives, let alone done anything to help the fight. Trust me, I'm out of patience with it. I'm, I'm so far out of patience with it that I just, I just can't even help myself anymore. It's like when your kids do something wrong. And you just can't help yourself. Your parents come right out of your mouth. That's that's how it feels. Like literally, that's how it feels. So do yourself a favor. Help me help you help me. And let other people talk in the channel. Because there's a lot of good ideas floating around right now. And not a lot of people pushing those good ideas. So... Anyway, word to the wise, my public service announcement. And we are joined by Lieutenant Colonel Piper, so let me add him to the – Colonel Piper, good to have you here. And I'm joined by Trooper as well. Trooper's in the house. Good evening. Good evening. And we are we are going to talk tonight about – so a couple of things came up this week, and, and it's it's good to have differing opinions. So I did a sit-rep last night. It was It was impromptu. It was late at night. A lot of people probably didn't see it. But 
the sit rep was after conversation I had with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers and uh, Pete and I haven't talked for a very long time. He's been busy. I've been busy. And um, I reached out to uh, a couple of people prior to talking to him because somebody sent me an interview with, that he had with Jeff, that he had done with Jeff Prather and Todd Callender. And Todd Callender is a lawyer that's been actively suing the pharmaceuticals over the vaccines and the, the vaccine damage. And there's an assertion out there right now. And this this aligns with what Colonel Conrad was talking about in our last sit rep, that their his most dangerous enemy course of action is that they are going to release a stronger variant when people resist the vaccine mandates. They've already they've already started the masking and all the horse shit again in D.C. and in Maryland and in Virginia. They're already starting that nonsense about so and so kids are are getting sick and there's a rash of kids getting sick, humma humma. What, what the premise is, is that laced in the vaccine is a lipid nanoparticle that is a sign and it's he was talking about proteins, he was talking about a bunch of other stuff. But the assertion is, and, and Van, Ann Vandersteel and a few others have put this out, and I don't know the validity of it, but Pete says it's true and Pete says he's done a lot of research in it. And Sam Sigaloff did episode 33, um, Evenings with Sam Sigaloff. He talks about the lipid nanoparticle and he talks about how it crosses the brain barrier. And, and that's significant because in years past, we never designed vaccines to cross the brain barrier for a variety of reasons. Evidently, this Marburg virus, which is not highly contagious, but it does affect the your normal... Um, ability to function and to regulate your behavior. Evidently, they're going to activate this somewhere in October with 18 gigahertz 5G hamama. Now, I've heard this before and dismissed it, but when you hear it from a couple of different sources and it's being moved, it does bring up a good proposition. And that proposition or probability is what if this isn't the variant that they're talking about? What if there's some other variant that's buried in the vaccine? Because we know there's all kinds of, you know, graphene oxide, there's spike proteins, and there's other things. But we don't really know what's truly in the vaccines. We know it's a bioweapon, and we know that people are dying from it, and there's been serious injuries. What if it is laced with something? And then what if it is activated by some kind of a... a um, I don't want to say um, signal, but signal for lack of a, a better word, that would align with exactly what Colonel Conrad was talking about in last year rep, that they would release some other stronger variant. Because look, the end state is not just about depopulating the planet. It's about instilling fear in the population and getting people to comply with the mandates and supposedly go into camps. At the same time I heard that and watched the interview with Jeffrey Praver, which, by the way, was several months old. It wasn't current. I heard at the same time that they're building FEMA camps in the West, California, Arizona, New Mexico. And I personally have seen one of those camps. I've flown over it um, on the New Mexico, Arizona border. It's out in the middle of nowhere. There are no roads going to it. Michael, the question at hand is, do you think this is probable, plausible, and do you think it's, it's real or at least parts of it are real? We'll start there. And I'll start with you, uh, Colonel Piper. Well, that's 
that's a whole lot to talk about. Um, we keep learning more and more, and I keep mentioning it to people, and we keep seeing more reports of what we're learning about these mRNA drugs and the fact that they're laced with all kinds of stuff. But there was also a report that came out, I think, a week or a week ago that said that 30% of the shots were placebos. And so 30% of the people got shots that didn't do anything. And some of them were lumped into literally county or country-wide sectors, which means there have been groups that have been selected to survive and selected to move on. And then there's, there's groups that are being selected for uh, whatever is upcoming. And, and we, we've talked about this before. We know there's something upcoming. I mean, a whole bunch of people from a whole different, different directions, from a different perspectives of, of both the world and our country, all feel there is something coming in 24. And it sounds like this is it. They've already planted the seed in people. And when they pump out this 5G poison, that's going to, you know, put everybody into this, what you're calling the Marburg virus. And I got to spend a little more time to research in that. Uh, we're going to get exactly what you, what you said, fear. We're going to get tremendous fear. And that fear is going to permit them to establish control over everybody. And for those of us who, and I still carry my, my shall not vaccinate card, and I recommend everybody getting one. Uh, and that is, you know, they're going to come looking for us to fill up those damn FEMA camps. And if anybody thinks that's a false story, then we can either wait and watch it happen or we can be prepared to fight it over. Yeah, I said last night, my theory, that our, we have one mission now, and that is resist in any way, shape or form we can and do it and to get everybody around us to resist. And Trump. Trump said the same thing literally the day that Alex Jones, that Alex Jones, um, that his his 15 minute sound, 15 second soundbite was released. Trump said, "We need to resist." We need oh, to so resist did Dale Bigtree. Yeah. If so, if you were in tune with you know each of the uh, the folks that were talking, I mean the loudest voices during the last COVID scare, Dell Bigtree was one of them, and he's put out a big video that says. Do not comply. Do not comply. And I'm actually wearing my do not comply t-shirt. Awesome. Troop, I know you got an opinion on this. Oh, yeah. Well, let's start with the, the masking of viruses. There was a, a white paper written on the herpes virus a few years ago, and they're still researching this. But essentially, herpes will hide out in nerve cells for years and go dormant. And then through stress or through other external factors, it will reactivate. And then all of a sudden you have cold sores or whatever. So this is basically happening when the herpes virus enters the cell. The cell will wrap kind of little proteins around it called hillstones. And then it will condense that, uh, that herpes virus and contain it until something changes that cell or causes it to release the virus and then it's back in play so that's the first response the second is 
in cancer treatment. And also I'm a, a general class amateur radio operator. And we have a lot of uh, safety concerns for the resonance of frequencies. I was waiting for the punchline on that one. It's, I, I guess I'm having a hard time with this one because not because it's diabolical, it's maniacal, and it's right in their wheelhouse. That's not what bothers me about this. What bothers me about this is that I don't know how they can sell this to the public that this is real. I mean, first of all, statistically fucking impossible for back-to-back pandemics. And it's it's so blatantly obvious that it's scheduled and that they've gone in and paid all of the um, hospitals and all of the um, healthcare providers to sign up for this. I mean, there's there's video after video now. So I think we just saw Troop. We lose you, Troop. Are you back? Or is this a, is this a shell account? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we lost you. You're back. It's it's just I have a I have a hard time believing that this is this is they're going to sell this, and that's my hardest thing with this. All right, I'm back. Can you hear me? I can. Let me uh, finish that uh, that thought. Forgive me. Were you in the middle of something? Because you just kind of stopped. Okay, I'm on a delay. I was going to finish that thought to say, yeah, yeah, my Windows decided to reboot on me, so I very quickly got it on my phone. Nice. Microsoft, two words, doesn't work. Yeah. (laughs) So, what? So, then the next thing that we talked about, too, is we talked about, um, he was asking me about timeline, right? Because we were just catching up on stuff because we hadn't talked in a while. And, One of the things he said that I agree with is I don't trust anybody right now. I don't trust what I'm hearing. And it's not that I don't trust the people. It's that I I don't trust the message that I'm hearing from the people because there's so much disinformation being pushed around. We lost Trip again, by the way. There's so much disinformation moving around. It's hard to discern what's true, what's not true, what's real, what's not real, what's coming across the signal what's coming across that's not signal. It's a variety of things. So with that said, we talked about timeline and he asked me, what do you, what do you see for timeline? I, and I said, and I said this last on the set wrap, but I'm going somewhere with this. Um, Colonel Piper, so just bear with me. I said, I'm seeing a lot of things converge. The one thing I'm seeing converge right now is I'm seeing the lockdowns converging I'm seeing the the economic collapse converging. I'm seeing some kind of a cyber attack disruption. I see that looming on the horizon. And I see them, you know, most dangerous and most likely are both the same in this case with cyber. Because I see them using cyber to take down the financial system, the air traffic control system, the logistics system as in train movement, um, road, uh, ship movement, and in other assets, because you don't have to stop all of it. You just need to stop part of it. And then it grinds to a halt. And it takes several days and weeks to restart. It's not an overnight thing. And I see them converging all of those in October. 
and I know you're talking about 24, but I've heard now from several sources and I've conferred now with like four different, uh, four different field grades that we're all seeing the same thing. We're all seeing that there's no 24 election. We don't make it to 24 because whatever's going to start is going to start later this month and it's going to accelerate into the late October. And then, you know, it's anybody's bet what happens after that. But I see all these things converging around the end of October. And originally when my, when I made my, um, my prediction that we were going to see kinetic in June, July was because I was watching the movement of forces into, into Poland. And, and well, you and I have talked about this a couple of times. The movement of forces was similar to what we did in 91. We did a buildup and then we did a push into, into Kuwait and Iraq to take back Kuwait. And it was a six month process to get all those forces in theater. I'm looking at the same, only I'm looking at that reverse right now, the movement of forces into into Europe to backstop the Ukrainians, which for whatever reason, I would think that it was because of the the lack of success with the counteroffensive that they didn't commit NATO forces under Title Four or Article Four. And here we are in October, and they're running out of options. And China's running out of options. I've seen a bunch of videos this week are being posted all over the place on Telegram and on on True Social about Chinese forces on the move um, to the littoral close to to Taiwan. I don't know how much validity there is to that because you never know when a TikTok video or an Instagram video or even a YouTube video for that matter was actually filmed. And we're seeing more and more. And it what it says to me. And, and and I know you're going to have an opinion, and both of you guys will have an opinion on this, because Tripp, you called this shit a year ago. But what I see is disruption happening here so they can cover the landings and establish a beachhead in Taiwan at the same time we see something kick off to backstop the Ukrainians. And I thought all that was going to happen in July, because you, you don't move in Russia in the wintertime. It's just it's too miserable, and it's too unpredictable, and the weather's too harsh. The Germans lured down Stalingrad, but anyway, let's let's start there because that's how I see things developing, and I I don't mind being wrong. In fact, I hope I'm wrong because I, I wouldn't mind getting through Christmas without a major conflict. But you know, it is what it is. So either one of you guys can start. Well, I I can give you two stories that I just got this week that l- look at both sides of the Ukraine war. And it, it, both of them tell essentially the same story, different perspectives, different situations, but it tells you that there's a problem. And on, on the Russian side, there was a, a, an entire unit that was moved to the front by rail, got to a town, and when they got to the town, they got off the train and the train left. And nobody, nobody came to get them. Nobody brought food. Nobody brought accommodations. Nobody moved them forward. They were just forgotten. On the other side, there's a couple of things happening. One of which is they are they've put out notice to mobilize older men and younger and older boys. So they're they're reaching their their into the depths of their manpower magazine. In a, in a recent uh, interview from one of the forward commanders talked about the fact that they're being fed 
by churches where families are coming together and putting food together for the soldiers, which means they're not being fed by the army. They're being fed by the neighborhoods. Which, which side are we talking about, Russian or Ukrainian? That's, that's the Ukrainian side. So wow. both sides are in serious, serious trouble. And that picture tells me that there's either it's going to all break down, which I don't, I don't see that happening. Granted, that could be an option that they all realize this is bad and we have to stop. Or they're going to get pushed by the higher ups and, and the powers that be. We've talked a little bit about this before, who do not want it to end, who would much rather prefer to just killing off the Slavic blood in the region. And it will push them to do stupid things like launch tactical nukes. Now, if you look at the three regions where most of the movement has gone on, there's one in the north and two that are fairly close to each other in the middle sector. They're not making much headway. We're, we're pounding, you know, almost equal brigades against equal brigades. And there's nothing happening. And so all they're doing is, is they're just continuing to feed the meat grinder. And I think people on both sides are starting to wake up to this, that there's no true military maneuvers or plans or coordinated or synchronized fires and effects. They are just pouring men into the gaps. No, no different than World War I trench warfare. Yeah. But, well, the difference is, I think now the difference is with the drones have rendered armor almost ineffective in certain instances, right? It's die in place. That's a good point. Stop, yes. Right. And then the other yep. side of it is it's, and this is for William. You well, said, look what they did sure. with the leopards, right? When, when they, when they engaged the leopards and they sent them in and in, in the offensive about a month and a half ago, what did they do? The, both the Russian drones and the Russian uh, attack teams just let them through the first barrier belt. And this goes to where, you know, bad training, bad education, bad intel. They, they let them pour through the first barrier belt, let them hit the second barrier belt, think that they pushed through the second barrier belt, and now they're completely enveloped. And they had put a moratorium out to every soldier. If you take out a leopard tank, you get three times your pay this month. And what'd they do? They literally decimated the leopard tank formation to where there is none anymore. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, so the and Ukrainians wasted this, this entire formation, right? Number one, not knowing what they were going up against. And number two, not realizing that, you know, these men were going to fight to the death to take out a freaking leopard. And there's another piece of this, too, that I think people need to understand. So we're not talking about logistics here. We're talking about combat arms uh, maneuver warfare. Logistics is completely different. Logistics is moving moving beans, bullets, and gas to the forward edge of the battle area, or the FIBA. That's a different proposition than maneuver warfare, where you're maneuvering forces against fortified positions. And this is reminiscent of exactly what the Russians did at Kursk, right? They let the Germans come through the first and second main defensive belts, and then they encircled them, cut them off, and killed them. And 
we're seeing the same thing. And a lot of that boils down to just simply not being trained well enough to, to understand what they're walking into and having zero exactly uh, ISR assets above the battlefield to give them real-time information. Because remember, exactly. in, in Iraq, when we first got to Iraq in 03, we didn't have very many ISR assets. By the time we left, we had UAVs over almost every part of that country. And it was because Secretary Gates said, I want coverage on every part of the country in Afghanistan and in Iraq. So we know exactly what the enemy's doing. And we have eyes on all the time. The Russians have taken that lesson that we learned in Iraq and Afghanistan. And they have ISR assets across the battlefield. They see everything. You can't move. You can't shoot. You can't communicate without them seeing what you're doing. So it's a tactical advantage. On top of that, the tanks that the Ukrainians are getting and the artillery pieces they're getting, they're demilitarized. The, the, the Chieftain tank, the Leopard tank, and the, the M1, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ralph, all of them have Choppa armor. It was designed back in the 80s. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an armor enhancement to the M1, and it's highly classified. To give those tanks to the Ukrainians, they basically take all that armor off and they just give them a shell with a gun. That's and, correct. And it's That's not correct. exactly the same uh, protection for the crew that they, they, that they would normally have if they had a, you know, a U.S. M1 tank. A demilled U.S. M1 tank is basically treads, tracks, and, and uh, some, some armor and a gun, like you're in a Sherman. It's a, right. it's so, a much yeah, different so proposition good. to get hit by any tank weapons or to get hit by, we keep losing troop, I think, his, uh, his machine's in the uh, yeah. blue screen of death. Anyway. But, but go ahead, because you were right. on a roll, and I interrupted you, so my, and, my bad. And the difficulty that we're seeing in terms of leadership is that I can I can take, and we talked about this last time, I can take a battalion, I can train them up, and I can put them in the field in a, in a month. I can do that. But it's only the basics. Like you said, they're not going to notice that they're they're being led into a firestorm. They're not going to notice. They think they're winning. They they got these these wonderful German tanks that they were told were were you know God's gift to winning, and that's what they think. They and they you've been there. I was there. I watched them in the second calf, right? And they they think they're invincible. I'm invincible. I am in this tank. You well, can't kill me. That. I never right? thought that. No, never and, thought that in a tank. I thought I always thought if I get hit by an air launch missile, I'm dead. If I get hit by an <laughs> RPG, I'm dead. I'll take loud, horrible, flaming death for a thousand, Alex. And uh, so, William, one thing I want to I want to say is, you're right. That is a logistical problem, dropping off troops in town. But by the same token, that's also a coordination and a movement problem, because when you move forces forward, you always have uh, logistics coordination with the endpoints. This sounds like they they not only have calm problems logistical issues related to comms but it's just coordination issues all right we got kind of i, I, I agree because i can remember back when when i was working you know regimental headquarters you we always sent someone back right to the pickup point someone goes back to the pickup point somebody knows they're coming in and you're going to pick them up and even if you've got to move them in small groups someone's going to go back to the pickup point to just be ignored and left just like the Ukrainians being ignored 
and left to find their own darn food because they're not in the right sector. That's there's logistics problems on both sides that are just wrong. Well, I think that's you know again you get the army of paper right, and it, I think part of the problem is um, that the Russians haven't done and and I you know if you listen to to, to uh, what Scott's uh, last name uh, weapons inspector Scott uh, escapes me. That's what happens when you get old. Um, Ritter, Ritter, thank you. And by the way, welcome, Lieutenant Colonel Conrad. How are you? Good to. Good I to am you. well. I'm sorry I had some family things to take care of. We know we got some major medical things coming up in about 36 hours, so we're trying to get squared away. You are living the dream. I don't know whose dream <laughs> it is, but you are living the dream. All right, so I've talked enough. Troop, I, I know you've been dropping on and off with the blue screen of death. I want to give you a chance to to give your thoughts because I know you have a few of them. And by the way. Can you tell folks a little bit about your background? Because I don't think people really understand um, what you do for a living, and it helps shape the shape the the conversation. All right, everybody, can you hear me? I'm on my third computer. Yeah, we can. Yeah, okay. you're good. So, yeah, my wife's in the uh, other room. I literally threw my Surface Pro across the room and went, "This is defective," and uh, now we're done with that. So. I am a threat analyst. Uh, I can't say who I work for. Uh, my background, however, has been in public safety and public service. Uh, I was a posse deputy in Maricopa County under Sheriff Joe, if you know him. And at the time, there was really no distinguishable, distinguishable difference between a, a sworn uh, full-time officer and a, and a posse man, uh, as well as 15 years with the Red Cross as a disaster first responder, disaster communicator. I've been on all kinds of fires and floods and set up mass care centers. Uh, I was selected to go to Falls Church, Virginia, to go to school at uh, Red Cross and FEMA, uh, have some training there. I did not go because I wasn't at that point in my life ready in my career and my family, but that was definitely the path that I was on. And the last disaster I got activated to was Hurricane Katrina, and I had actually resigned from my job. I got transferred up to Washington State, and I'd resigned from my job to go down to Olympia, Washington, where the main Red Cross was down there, to deploy. And the SAR commander, whoever was on the ground in uh, in Katrina, stood us all down after somebody shot at a Coast Guard helicopter or something happened down there. And he said, I'm not going to waste intelligent resources on an unintelligent situation. And then we all stood down. Thankfully, I was able to get my job back, but I have spent pretty much all my civilian life and free time uh, in disaster service, disaster environments. I'm an amateur radio operator, and I just have a kind of a knack for what I do. Um, when I when I signed up for my current company, I was a contractor, and I was uh, selected to uh, analyze controls and processes and then security and then do analysis and then do threat analysis. And it's across a variety of uh, different spectrums, depending on what the need is. But effectively, my responsibility, and it's ironic that I'm, I'm communicating with three different lieutenant colonels, uh, and I was also a 19 kilo uh, in a cavalry regiment, and uh, actually is in a 30 of the 8th in uh, Gelnhausen, Germany, uh, in 30 and uh, in Fort Bliss before they moved. But a lot of the information that I compile is going out and doing all the research, collecting, look at the pro, the con, deconflicting, 
distilling, formulating, advising, recommend, you know, recommending. And then essentially by the time I get in front of individuals such as the cadre on this call, I have to pare down a 99 page report to basically uh, 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 one headline and, and two decision options. And then Lo uh, lots of pictures, a <laughs> little, little, few words, lots of yeah. pictures. Be brief. be brief, be brief, be bright, be gone. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's kind Absolutely. of a little, a little bit about me. <laughs> so uh, Dave, to bring you up to speed, what we're, what we're talking about is the, the situation on the ground uh, in Ukraine, but not from the standpoint of, um, our last conversation is from the standpoint of, and you and I talked about this briefly uh, via text, but that the, um, we're, I had a conversation that I did the sit rep on last night with, with chambers and we're, we're milling over is Marburg, is that variant possible or is it plausible that they're going to have another variant come out that's activated by 3g and then we were talking about the conversion of events in, in october i see it happening in october and i don't mind being wrong and i know you have a view of 2024 but um i see a lot of things converging right now for october and, and i don't mind being wrong but that's how i see all these things converging and one of the things that i see happening because they've been talking about it for so long, but more importantly, because I'm seeing an uptick in cyber attacks just in my my normal day-to-day -day life. And I'm seeing an uptick in computer quote unquote issues with different companies like X was down today, United was down yesterday. That's profiling. So it, in the in the cyber world, you profile your your target then you do reconnaissance on that target and then you figure out where the weak spots are. And usually that involves a, a variety of tools to do that. Do a network scan. You can do a, you could do a port scan. You can do um, social engineering. You can do a phishing attack to, to come up with some credentials. There's a variety of ways to do it. Right. And you want to do it so you don't tip off sensors, but we're seeing these attacks starting to uptick. And I'm assuming that's what they are as cyber attacks and denial of service attacks. I'm making the assumption and it could be the wrong assumption, which I'm fine with, that they're going to do simultaneous cyber attack to take down the financial system, to take down the infrastructure, take down power, logistics, et cetera, all at the same time. Because they don't have to take down everything. They just have to take down key nodes and everything grinds to a halt. And then we got on to the situation on the ground in Ukraine because I see NATO using Article 4 to move in at the same time China moves into um, Taiwan. And then they do disruption ops here because they need to tie up our Navy so we don't disrupt their landing operations. Because let's face it, you put a couple of um, uh, LA attack boats or even Seawolf sitting off the coast out there, and you can do a lot of damage with just a couple of torpedoes and disrupt their entire landing operation. And I can see the Chinese being highly, highly worried about that. Not so much our carriers, right? But I could see them being worried about subs in that area and doing disruption operations here at the same time. And, oh, by the way, we have lockdowns going on, and then I can see them, like your premise of them releasing a stronger variant to go after the population that's not complying. So that's what we were talking about. And a troop, I interrupted you yet again, and I'm sorry. Oh, no no worries. I Before I had technical issues, I was talking about how some viruses can embed themselves inside of essentially cellular proteins and then be released later. And then... I had gone into 
the resonance of cells and your body, for example, seven megahertz is roughly the resonant frequency of your large intestine, which is why a lot of soldiers defecate in battle when there's artillery shells going off, uh, you know, and some of it's fear as well. But a lot of this has been closely studied. And when you're looking at electromagnetic radiation or exposure limits, you're looking at the duration, the frequency, and the distance from the emitting basically the antenna. Uh, I've been up on towers and happen to be like climbing in front of microwaves when they keyed up. You can feel it instantly. And they also have that MRAT or whatever these other systems where they irradiate essentially with electronic uh, magnetic radio frequencies, people, and heat their bodies up. So when you put all this together, and I, I've never been a 5G conspiracy theorist. I, the danger that I see in 5G is these massive high-speed IoT networks where they can essentially embed uh, ISR technology, seeing, listening, even smelling, sensing, temperature, whatever, movement uh, into little micro architectures. And then they could put billions of them out on the world. They'll never run out of IP address space. They'll never run out of uh, data throughput. And that's really the true threat of 5G, not necessarily uh, the EMF threat of the radio frequencies themselves. But just to look at this and kind of challenge that, will they be able to embed a virus that crosses the brain-blood barrier and activate it? Um, the only thing that I could, because I have to look at things open-minded, is uh, to study this. And what I had come up with is essentially that I'm not a biologist or a scientist, but the, uh, the herpes virus and these, these microlipids that you're talking about uh, can both be, I don't want to say activated, but they can be manipulated through RF frequency. This has been established in white papers that cancer researchers have done on targeting certain types of cells with certain radio frequencies as well to see if they can essentially vibrate them to death. So if you have a, a, a delivery mechanism like an injection and it has some type of protected biological matter that you're injecting into a, a carbon-based life form and through chemicals or diet or stressors or RF frequency or from whatever uh, combination of external influences, you can not necessarily activate, but you can peel off the outer shell or you can change or you could you know, initiate some type of mitosis. You're going to have plausibly a capability to weaponize that. And then if you go into how they can develop uh, targeted weapon systems that would say take out the Slavic population or an African population or an Asian population. They've already, um, you know, opened up and, and admitted that they can do that as well. So I don't want to feed into any kind of conspiracy theories or anything, but from a threat analyst perspective, I could say that there is a plausible foundation of established technology and white paper that would indicate that such a technology is at least capable of being developed. Steve, you mind if I jump in on that? Go for it. Troop, I think you're right over target and very accurate with a lot of your comments. The um, I want to tie together a couple of concepts uh, that that I've covered the last couple of days. Um, first, I was watching one of these one of these professors that works for DARPA. The guy is a full professor, uh, head of bioethics something or other at Georgetown. And to hear him talk and describe some of the capabilities that, that they've not only worked on, but they've had well in hand, I, I'm not willing to put anything past these people. I, I think if, if I see something on a computer, on a video, they must have things that are 10 times worse behind closed doors that they haven't yet talked about publicly. 
And so tying some of these technologies together is, is something they're more than willing to do for evil purposes. If you listen to go back and listen to Dr. Brian Artis, uh, who was tying together concepts of uh, snake venom being at the heart of the spike protein issue uh, for, for the vaccines for COVID, he talks about um, messenger RNA technology and how they, they turn your cells into essentially miniature factories, um, you know, producing some of these toxins. And at the same time, Steve, you put up a video with, uh, with Prather, Major Prather, uh, yesterday. I went and listened to twice. And his guest on there was also talking about the same technology, a different application, essentially using messenger RNA to turn your cells into little Mar Marburg you know, virus factories. And so I think there's, there's an entire arsenal of capabilities that these people have developed. Um, and, you know, Steve, regardless of, of whether we talk about Marburg today or COVID yesterday, um, I think they have an array of different viruses with different capabilities that they've been, they've literally been genetically engineering for the last 20 years or more. Yeah, we, we agree on that. We, yeah. we agree on that. And, and, and so they have contingency plans that they're able to roll out almost like designer viruses, if you will, to meet whatever they happen to think is needed at the time. My personal opinion is that the more lethal variant is, is going to be released sometime next summer which helps set the stage for, you know, some type of military conflict and a whole whole conflagration of different uh, lines of effort that overstress the country, overstress the population, the military, et cetera, and then drive towards some type of um, we can't have an election type issue. What was the uh, 1972 or 74? The uh, the uh, military what's the War Powers Act. I think they referred to it as uh, to suspend elections in order to maintain continuity for the safety of the nation. I, oh, I they think absolutely all... want to do that. They absolutely want to do that. Yeah. They, they, this the the show of the 2024 election is is a joke, right? Because they no one has done anything to solve the counting problem that it, the swing states have. They've done, you know, like today there was a court case that was decided in Yavapai that the the signature matching was invalid i don't think it's going to go anywhere beyond that because adrian fontes is already trying to change the rules on that anyway but we'll see what happens next but that said i don't see i i don't see them changing anything before the 24 election and i don't see americans buying into the the storyline that it's a free and fair election regardless of what they do so that leaves them with the option of not having it or creating so much turmoil around it that people don't go out and vote so that they can cover. I don't see that. But the thing that I don't want to get into is I don't want to get into trying to discuss the validity of whether or not the claim of Marburg or whatever the virus is. I'm more interested in discussing do you know, do we do we think it's plausible that they have a backup? And it sounds like all of us agree that they they absolutely have something in the wings that they could use that's even more deadly. My question is, how are they going to sell it to the public? I have a hard time believing the public's going to. I mean, there's always the, there's always the lemmings that are signed up, right? No matter what you do, 
they're going to march into the gas chamber. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the fact that if you didn't get the vaccine the first time, you're not getting it the second time. If you That's got the true. vaccine and, the first time, go ahead. Yeah, and, and 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 there's more people. I've run into more and more people that have said, "There's no way I'm doing it again," and more and more people that are saying, "I'm not going to mask up again. This is insanity." So there's waking up, but the question is, is do we have enough? Do we have enough that have awakened in this country to counter the Karens? And there's going to be millions of them. That Karen will be is going to get a redneck ass whooping this time when she shows uh, up. I don't think I, so. I think uh, she's going to have all of her Karen buddies and they're going to scream from the rooftops and demand us all to go hide in our homes and wear our masks. And, and, but we are not mobilized to stop them. We need to mobilize. We need to organize. We need to do something besides talk about it. And I, 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 have, I don't, I don't see that. Well, we don't. This, I just, I literally just had this discussion in my admin channel, and it's, it's one of the. This is one of the most frustrating aspects of the patriot slash truth slash mega movement that pisses me off to no end. And that is nobody could put their ego aside long enough and step away from their keyboard or type in stupid fucking memes all day to go out and actually organize. And everybody wants to be in charge. Everybody has the right idea. Nobody could put their ego aside long enough to go out and, and organize. It's imagine what it's like to you know what it's like. You work in the government. You know exactly what am I talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody's got to be in charge. Nobody can just step back and go, you know, you're right. What, what are we going to do? That's that's the problem with the whole fucking movement. That It's exactly the problem. And the reason why we're hindered in the other aspect is the, is the, the massive success of the psychological operations against people, telling them just stay home, grab some popcorn and enjoy the show. There's thousands of people that are sitting home right now thinking white hats are coming to save them and that they don't have to do anything. That's been the problem since day one. And the frustrating part for me, and I'm, and I was just saying this at the very start of the show, you weren't on the, you weren't on the, um, the stream yet. I'm out of patience with the know-it-alls, with the overbearing assholes, with the shit stirrers, I'm I'm fucking out of patience, completely out of patience with it. And I I literally told my image yesterday. They show up, ban them. I'm I'm done talking to them. I'm done arguing with them. I'm done trying to convince them. Fuck them. That's that's where I'm at. And where I'm, what I'm leaning to with this is the entire community is in this place where everybody's raised their hands and said, "I'm just going to wait for the bullets to fly." That's the unfortunate part of where we are. And. To have the conversation with another LTC yesterday and him saying, I don't trust anybody. I don't trust. I don't know who to trust right now because there's so much infiltration. I don't know who to trust. No, that, and, that. Yeah, that that's a big that's a big issue. Who do you trust? That is a huge issue. I can tell within my community where I am. That's a big issue. Well, it's it. And, you know, I trust the people that I that I have um, worked with before that I know that are. I, that I know are staunch um, defenders of the Constitution. I, those are the people I trust. 
everybody else, I mean, I have people every day trying to, you know, trying to, to at least, you know, let's go do this, Colonel, let's go do that. Let's go do this. Let's, you know, I get that every single day and I'm very selective about who I let in the circle because you're right. There's so much infiltration, right? And here's the other thing that's happened too. And this is, this is the other Achilles heel of the community right now is that you have people that have been doing this like, like we have, and they're burned out and they're just raising their hands, walking away because they're so tired of dealing with the same stupidity over and over and over again. That's why I'm out of patience because I, I spend more time deconflicting with people than I do actually convincing them to do something. And it's, it's, I can see how people get tired and, and fatigued, right? Because they want us to run the marathon where we run out of gas. And that's the other part of the equation that's missing is that people don't realize we're in a marathon. There's no sprint to the finish line. We're in the information phase now when it turns kinetic. Unfortunately, this is how it always goes for Americans. It turns kinetic and they're, they're, they spend the next several months trying to pull their heads out of their ass to get organized. And I, that's how I see this developing. I don't see this developing any other way. It's, and I hear everything you just said, and I agree with everything you just said. I'll just leave it there. So I was uh, in a leadership training thing a few years ago, and it was a bunch of vice presidents. And one of them said, uh, Trooper, if there's something important, are you the first one to stand up? Well, I always have been the first one to stand up. And almost every time, nobody else is standing up behind me, regardless of what everybody says before the meeting or before the whatever. Yeah, yeah, we got your back, right? Uh, and so I never understood why that was. Well, this guy, he, there's some YouTube video. And I, don't, I don't know where it is. I want somebody to send me a link. But apparently there's this guy dancing and it's a crowd of people and everybody's watching this guy just dance. And everybody's going, what a fool this guy is until a second guy gets up and he starts dancing with the first guy. And then once the second guy gets up, then people start getting up and then everybody joins in and then there's hundreds of people. Apparently they're dancing. And so he, he told me this, he said, it's, it's not the first guy that steps up that starts a movement. That guy will lead a movement, but he has to have followers. It's always that second guy that stands up that inspires the movement that can be led. And if you don't have people following you, you're just a guy wandering out in the desert alone. So we need to think about that as you, when I try to formulate some of the content that we put out there, am I inspiring? Am I motivating? Am I including? Am I training? Am I elevating? Am I showing people what we always repeat, which is you're more powerful than you think you are. You need to have faith in God in your training. If you don't have training, have faith in God and get training. But you have to empower people where they have a, a capability. The other thing is when they go online and they see these people that have these very professionally produced and finished videos, everything's perfect. They never miss a word. There's a lot of people behind those content providers. So one of the things that we've tried to do in our constellation of channels is to just one time it's live, what I call re record uh, shit post, right? Just record, you know, record the content and then put it up there. Show people that you're a human being, you're real, you're not there to bullshit them and then figure out where people are, where they're at. Uh, one of our admins, Patriot Berserker, put a question out. What have you done for your community? Have you showed up to a school board meeting? Have you become a precinct commitment? What, you know, what have you done? And there's a lot of people that said, well, I'm elderly. I take care of my, el my elderly spouse. I take care of a special needs child. I do these other things. And we have to remember 
we can't forget about those Americans because when we're raw, 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 everybody be out, everybody grab the shotgun off the mantle. There's a lot of people that just can't do that, but they can still make phone calls. They can still write letters by hand and mail them. They can still uh, post to public boards or what we call the request to speak system in Arizona, which is our legislative uh, public feedback channel, things like that. So you have to look not just at the the strong points that everybody has or what you want to desire to have in your movement, but what are the weak points and then how to turn those into strong points, how to leverage the capabilities that you have within our case, our organization, a public all volunteer uh, group of individuals that have come together because they want to be informed, they want to be inspired, and they do want to figure out how to be activated. But if we're if we're just grab the grab the shotgun off the mantle, then you know we're going to fail. And if we're just shit posting Q stuff, right? Which is which the, <laughs> Colonel uh, Murray and I both detest. It's not it's not actionable. It doesn't inform. It doesn't make you any more intelligent. It doesn't tell you how to formulate a strategy. It doesn't tell you how to be more self reliant. And so if we're going to push against this, which we are, all of us need to do a better job of shaping our messaging so that we're inspiring people to become active participants in this and not just observers of it, waiting for you know that second guy to stand up and start dancing. We need to start dancing. We need to get people uh, that are engaged, active, online, and doing things, and then showing other people how to do stuff so they can get out there and dance too. By the way, Troop, that video is already in your chat. Somebody just posted it. So the power of the audience. I love it. So I think it's, I think it's, so I think two things, right? I think mass noncompliance is the first thing, but it, here's the hope though. And, and Raul, I know that you, you're probably not, you haven't dived into this one, but you know, I'm an FFL, sorry, I'm a federal firearms licensee. I'm a dealer. And one of the things that I saw with the pistol brace ban was mass noncompliance. They put out the, the, so the ATF came up with the pistol brace ban. They, they wrote it into reg. They are trying to tell us that everybody's felons. And literally there's 44, 43 million braces that are, that are out in the public. And they had maybe, I don't know, 20,000 people register as, as SBRs, which is for those of you who don't know, it's a, if you have a, a barrel under 10 inches, it's actually under 16 inches, um, and you have a brace on the back of it, you have to register it as an SBR. That's essentially what the rule is. There's a little more to it, but I'm just trying to encapsulate it. Uh, so that means that over, you know, 40, 43 million, you know, 42 million people said, hey, go fuck yourselves. We're not going to do that. And that gives me hope because it tells me that there is a silent majority out there that's not complying with this. And we're the proof in the pudding where the rubber is going to meet the road. It's going to boil down to when businesses start trying to force the vaccines, I, you're going to, I guarantee that you will see people not comply with that. And this time, unlike the last time, they're not going to go run into the courts. They're going to go run into the office with a baseball bat and they're going to take care of business or worse. They're going to take a bottle of whiskey and a 45. I don't see people complying with the vaccine mandates this time. I don't give a shit how many different ways they say it. I see people. I hear it every day. I'm already, I'm already listening to it. And I work in healthcare. I'm here to listen to it. I had, you know, a doctor say to me yesterday, 
and it was on a call with a bunch of other people. And it came up as, I don't know if any of you heard this, but they're bringing the masks back and I'm not wearing the goddamn things. I'm done with that. And this is a doctor saying that. So I know there's people out there that are not going to comply. Whether we're organized or not, I, I, again, well, we have to yeah. just take our lumps, right? I'll I'll be, and, and I guess those others that can do the same experiment, I'll take note as it grows here, because I can tell you where I work, it's going to be overwhelming compliance. It'll be sickening. Well, you're you're in an echo chamber, right? I mean, that's just how it goes. And but I'm not in an echo chamber, and I'm sure there's other parts of the country that are echo chambers, right? I mean, God, have you flown into Seattle lately? Jesus Christ! I go into Seattle, and it's just the who's who of retarded, and the stupidity that it's in that place is unbelievable. It's I think it's geographically dependent. And I think, I think they know. That. Go ahead, Steve. I didn't mean to. I thought you were finished. I think the elite know that. I think they have war game this out to where they know who is going to not comply and who is going to comply. I think it's very situational. I've got a hospital right up over the hill from my business. I talk to people all the time, nurses, doctors, other stuff that I see. And uh, a lot of them are, are in that non-compliant mindset at this point because they know they've been lied to. And some of them you know, lost friends as colleagues because they're no longer nursing or no longer working at that hospital, physician or not, um, because of the mandates previously. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of bad blood about that right out of the gate. But, I, you know, one of the things that strikes me about the situation moving forward is, A, the enormously effective um for our would-be opponents enormously effective operation january 6th that they ran at the capitol building how many people are simply not showing up not organizing not doing things because they see what a clown court is going on for these poor bastards are getting sentenced to you know 20 22 years things like that that's that's enormously stifling to people's willingness to speak out and and step forward um but in addition to that Part of how I see things unfolding, uh, unfortunately, is going to be, you know, go back to the law of unintended consequences. I think at some point, one of the components we haven't really touched on too much lately, we've talked about people coming over the border from China, talked about troops being deployed overseas, all kinds of different things that create problems in the United States. But circle back to BLM, Antifa, and what other, whatever other entity the, the far left and the deep state have been training and brewing up and holding in reserve. Uh, I think those people are going to rear their ugly heads. I think the first time that you see people protesting or organizing a protest, you'll see those guys coming out to counter them. And then you'll see inadvertent response um, where things escalate. And uh, that's, that's one of the scenarios where I see things you know, ramping up is going to be initiation by the left, whether it's on purpose or not, uh, just because so many people are hesitant at this point. I don't think people are going to protest. Thanks, waste of time. And I think most be, most Americans think that. And I think most Americans, I mean, look at look at the, the November 2022 20, election, right? 
everybody knew it was fraudulent. I mean, Maricopa County literally said in every action they took, we don't care what you think. And the Maricopa County Sheriff literally ran roughshod over the entire operation. Everyone knows that Katie, Katie Hobbs, Adrian Fontes, and Chris Mays were installed. They all know it. No one took to the streets. No one. And Joe Altman came down here and tried to organize people to go. In the, he maybe got 100 people. And I don't think, I just, Americans don't protest. The, the only way I see people getting off their ass is if they're out of food, money, and they're out of, they're out of fuel. That's, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the only thing I see, you know, getting people out of their houses. You got to dial up the pain. Dial yeah, up the pain. You're exactly right. They got to be uncomfortable. And I, I see, I don't see them doing that until they're ready to conduct operations or they're conducting operations and they're trying to keep people at home. I, that's, there's only one or two scenarios where that's going to happen. Financial collapse, which could happen, but I have, they have control. Everything in the market is manipulated to the point where they have complete control of when it collapses and when it doesn't. So, you know, and I'm seeing things in, in China and in uh, Ukraine developing. The question really becomes and really boils down to are the Chinese and the Russians coordinate with the, the w, uh, WEF in all of this so it all happens at the same time? Because if you look at how all this is developing, there's too many things that are happening right now that, that just they're along a timeline. You can just see they're along a timeline. I mean, I don't know. Am I high? Because that's how I see it. Steve, no, that's how I see it, too. I, I see the convergence timeline, the synchronization of everything, and the fact that most Americans can't handle more than one chaotic moment at the time. So if we go back to the earlier writings in, in books like Future Shock, where it explains exactly how to plan it out, how to prep the battlefield, how to get your information uh, warfare into play. And then you start adding those, those events. If, if they launch, and anybody could do it, if they launch an EMP, and it could, it could even be us against ourselves, launch an EMP, that shuts down everybody's electronics. And and we talked about this before, and that is if 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 only 10% of everything gets affected, only 10%, could you imagine being on the highway and 10% of the cars just stop driving? I live in yeah. Arizona. 10% of the cars are dropping shit or stopping all the time. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you should come out and drive around DC where I am and, and see what would happen but but think about it. it if i pull up the the airline overhead traffic monitor program and i can't remember what it's called i've been to it a couple of times there's a thousand aircraft in the air at any real moment during the active day that's a thousand human coffins crashing to the earth the, all of the substations will shut down and, and even if you, I love to hear the, the preppers go, yeah, I'm going to put my cell phone into a little envelope and I'll, I'll be good. Well, except that none of the cell towers will work. So, and, and uh, Conrad and I talked about this. Thank he you said, yeah, you, you can, you can, you can watch, you can look at your, 
you know, your pictures, but you can't call anybody, you know, you know so, so you can calculate how much, how much the water in your tub's going to last, but you can't talk to anybody. Uh, it, you know, it's, and, and if, if that happens, how many Americans know how to go down to the stream and, and get clean water? How many Americans know how to, you know, create a, a cooling environment in the summer or build a fire in the winter to keep their family warm? Uh, how many have, you know, food prep storage cans in their basement? I mean, I, granted, I've only got six months. I should have a year. Um, but between my wife and I, we can make it last a lot longer because we don't eat much. Yeah, but I, how, I, this, you is know, this is true. If you me. pile yes, all right. this stuff on top of each other, they can't handle it. It's too much. Yeah. It's just too much. And that's what I'm that when you say that you think it's going to happen in October, I think it's going to happen next year. Right. Uh, in either case, it's too much. It's too much. I, they I can't see handle converging, it. I see it converging right now. I don't see it converging for next year. There's there are too many things going on right now that says that, that hostilities are imminent. Like, it, let's just take at face value the, 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 the videos that are showing up now all over the place about Chinese troop movements on the littoral near Taiwan. That says that there's kinetic imminent or they're posturing, right, for something else. I I don't, you, like I said before many times, and, and we've all disagreed on this, which is fine, because I think that's what the whole point of this is, is, you know, throwing this out for people to critically think. There's too many things in play right now that have to come to fruition in the next few months for them to have effect. There's there's too many too many decisions that have already been made. Like they've already signed the deal for quote unquote new vaccines. I think it was done years ago, but anyway, they're they're messaging that right now. All this messaging around Obama, around the Clintons, around Camilla Harris, all that's being done because they're getting ready to change leadership at the same time. And I can't help but think that this is all coordinated so they can put somebody even more fucking awful in office at the same time they create all these problems so that they can they can put a moralist, compass, maniacal schemer in the White House that will go along with all of these martial law plans. And to hear yesterday that they're building more FEMA camps in secret and they're trying to get them done by the end of October, that says they have imminent plans for this year. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that if they have FEMA camps and they're building FEMA camps, it means everybody in fucking D.C. knows it. Every single one of them knows it. And that's why they're all going along with the January 20th stuff. That's why Chris Ray sat in Congress with a smile on his face because he's got the goods on everybody there and they're coercing everybody to go along with this. That tells me this year, not next year, because you can't marshal that many. Like, we didn't keep forces in the desert for another six months. We built combat power. We moved into Kuwait. We built combat power. We moved into Iraq. We didn't fuck around. I don't see them fucking around with this. Steve, I don't don't think that they're going to be able to sustain the level of crisis that easily if they start in the next month or two and run that through literally over a year towards November of 24. I think think that's too long of a stretch for them. 
years. No, that's just COVID. I'm talking about all of these things that you know, we're all in agreement. There's going to be some type of coordinated effort. One of the things that I look at is what's going to be the triggering events to initiate some kind of martial law scenario. I think that's one of their major contingency plans. Oh, it absolutely is. Because and, and that's and, and armed citizens. We need we need you to make obstacle. sure that we need to create an early warning system that when you start to see this stuff, we get the word out to everybody we know as soon as possible. Because you're right. It's the indicators and warnings, it's the triggers. We need to know what those are. We need to tell people what to watch for and, and even tell them to report when they see any bitter piece of it so that we can all get, you know, lean a little more forward in the foxhole, if I can put it that way. Over. Yeah, I know Troop's got a, some thoughts on this. He and I have had several conversations about this. So, Troop, I know you got an opinion on this. <laughs> well, the first thing is with the amount of food and water, uh, you've heard me say this a thousand times, Steve, is you should have a minimum of 15 gallons of fresh drinkable water in your home per person and large pet. And that doesn't mean pool water. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking, oh, I got a pool and I got a Berkey. I'm going to be fine. Pool water has aldehydes and chloramines and all kinds of stuff in it that's going to just destroy those really expensive Berkey purifier filters. Uh, and then three days after the power goes out, you're going to have a mosquito factory in your backyard. So the food thing and what I've, I've been preaching, I just posted a water video again to Steve's channel, a special one for uh, portable filtration. But as you said, people don't know how to collect water anymore. And that's identifying a water source that you can approach safely. You can extract water from, you can strain it, you can transport it back to where you can better filter it and then purify it and then put it in some type of storage container, consume it, store it. There's a lot that goes to that. So we go through a lot of those skills on, uh, on the trooper channels. And then we post, we kind of cross post a little bit of it, but as far as food goes, in my experience, any disaster that lasts longer than five weeks is probably not going to get resolved in five months or even five years. So we've been telling people to just plan for five weeks of food, but make sure that you have that minimum of 15 gallons of water initially. And then of course, a goal of five waters per five gallons of water per person per day for up to five weeks, which you could stack 120 gallons of water in a two foot by two foot area. And the reason why is because if something has not resolved in five weeks, that means it really is time to evacuate. But we don't want to, I always am amazed at people, I got a bug out bag, I'm going to go, man, shit hits a fan, I'm on the road. Well, you're going to be on the road with everybody else who's also evacuating and unprepared and desperate and angry and scared, and you're going to die on the freeway, and then everybody's going to take your shit and all the shit you left at your home that you spent your whole life working for and filling up with stuff. So I'm not, I'm a big castle doctrine, kind of don't leave your home uh, unless a nuclear cloud is coming or a flood or something. But five weeks of food is perfectly adequate in my experience. And even Lahaina, and if you look at East Palestine, if you look at the, uh, the floods that, that hit Iowa right after Katrina, Katrina itself is a good example. We used to have a much better functioning emergency response and it wasn't too long ago when these when these big 
hurricanes hit the the southeastern United States, you would have these big telethons. They would raise millions of dollars. You don't hear any anything like that anymore. Nobody gives a shit. But what you did have is a lot of amateur radio operators, a lot of volunteer, um, mainly retired people, but you know younger people as well that were engaged in the Salvation Army, the Red Cross, the state or county EOC. Uh, there were there were different churches that would open up their uh, their sanctuaries. There were schools that would open up their cafeterias and their gymnasiums. We were we would always with the Red Cross go straight to high schools and middle schools because we could use our gymnasiums as mass care centers and then we could set up control stations. That's always been the case. So if those resources are not on the ground and generally after any disaster, the first thing that's going to happen is the first responders will activate the police, the sheriff, uh, whatever your state agencies are, are going to roll in. Slowly, things are going to evolve and establish, at least at the at the city level, and then down into you know every other zip code or whatever. And you're going to establish a control network, and then the national guard is going to get activated. Then they're bringing in water. Then they're bringing in food. Then in kind contributions show up. Then FEMA shows up. So this has always been the pattern, and. The disasters that I've seen under this administration specifically have not followed that classic, uh, you know, evolution of uh, event, analyze, establish, control, resolve. And that's always how it goes. And that usually happens well within a three week period. So I've always preached you should have five weeks of food. And if you're on week four and you don't see any change in your situation the roads aren't open there's not a you know a, a school or something that says hey come get your free water or your loaf of bread or a shower or whatever uh there's no red cross there's no national guard then you need to start packing up your vehicle and you need to start figuring out where you're going to go which you should have a plan in advance anyway but by that point you've already outlived 90 percent of the people who either didn't prepare and died from lack of resources or they did stupid shit like raid Walmart and steal the liquor instead of the water, and they're dead. That's why we say avoid the conflict space. And, and those initial you know, hours, days, first week, you don't want to be on the road. You don't want to be outside. You want to buckle down and then let Darwinism uh, take its course. And then after that, the government is going to have to clear out those roadways so they can establish control. So now you're not going to hit a choke point when you try to leave your neighborhood and then after three, four or five weeks go along again, either there'll be a, a beginning of a resolution and recovery or it will be literally time to evacuate and you will have an open road out of town at that point. So that's uh, that's why I've never worried about having more than I mean, that now that Biden's in charge, my whole rationale has been around natural disasters and, and things like that. And we have this dotard in charge and he's literally trying to destroy the company. So I might I might revise that to, you know, to five months. But. Uh, certainly not five years. And and we've we've made it a point not to push uh, dehydrated Bitcoin and basement beans on on people to just buy shit, just buy the normal canned goods that you would buy in your normal diet and just have you know a little bit more of it on hand. But all the all the dehydrated beans and all that other stuff. Uh, I ate MREs for seven and a half months and my turds turned into like like river rocks. I could have used them as weapons. And I, I can't imagine living in a world where I'm in a basement. Um eating eating dehydrated beans for you know for five years i just i don't think i would want to do that you know the visual of that i could have lived without my entire lifetime thank you for that <laughs> you appreciate that no no but i think all of us have been through the same experience oh, absolutely we have <laughs> they call them meals ready to excrete for a reason i mean come on 
TMI. TMI. Well, so, so I want to I want to steer this a little bit differently because I think there's a couple of questions. Everybody's saying the same thing, right? We need leadership. We need leadership. The problem with that, as I see it, and you guys can disagree with me, is we've already established this massive infiltration. Dave, you're right that the, the January 6th, the, the whole intent of January 6th was not the coup. It was to show the American public that we can find you and fuck with you anywhere we want and we can put you to, we can put you in prison because we own the courts, we own law enforcement, and we own the country. The, the problem with that narrative, as I see it, is that there's not enough of them to cover down on the whole country. I, I, I tend to believe that there's a certain part of the population that buys into the narrative no matter what. There's, but there's a certain part of the population that has been watching this doing things underground because they know that the infiltration's there, right? Like one of the things that I think um, will develop out of this is, and I talked about this the other night, but I want to expand on this, is alternative communications, right? They're going to take down the internet. They're going to take down social media. They're going to push people to the media that they approve of, and they're going to take down everything else. I don't know how they're going to do it yet, but they're going to do it. And when they do it, you know what that's going to look like. I don't know, but I I tend to think that that's coming. Call me call me crazy. That's one of the things that I've I've coined the phrase the Great Internet Cataclysm. A lot of people are going to die when the network goes down, and you touched on it. I wrote a post on that yesterday or the day before as well. The the network as we know it, when we think we pick up a phone, it's a landline. It's not a landline. We pick up a cell phone. We spend most of our time on a cell phone. It's not even on a, a cellular network anymore because voice over IP is so responsive that essentially everything is traveling over data communications networks. They're all hubbed up in COs. They're all connected by generally underground fiber. There's still a few microwave links that connect things. There's still some satellite bounces that connect long haul data, but for the most part, it would take seven guys in strategic places within CONUS to completely bring our entire internet data structure to its knees for a week. And I'm not talking about can't add stuff to my shopping cart and the shit fairy is not going to be here in a week. I'm talking about things like critical medicines that are delivered to people and they have no recourse because we've automated everything with just in time uh, you know, methodology. So you have somebody who's who's a diabetic or a phenol, uh, you know, has PKU or has some other kind of critical need for medicine that needs to be delivered on time, or somebody who is daisy chained to an electrical outlet because they have an oxygen um, machine or some other type of machine, a home dialysis machine, and now all of a sudden their refresh is not going to be there at the front door tomorrow. And the logistical system in place is not going to deliver the thing that they need to have at their front door tomorrow to the warehouse where that vehicle picks it up. And there's no 1-800 number to call because there's no humans on the other side of a call center that does not exist. And the AI chat bot is not going to be available because you don't have fucking internet. So you're screwed and now you die. And so for, for those people who cannot even... I tell people if you're on medications, I'm on a medication called a vorostatin and I'm, I'm, I've gone from 10 milligrams to five milligrams and I'm on my way off of it. But I say, hey, you know what? I have to leave the country. 
I don't have a whole lot of faith in the medical system where I'm going. I need a 90 day supply of a vorostatin because I'm going to be gone. And then I get this prescription filled. And then the very next day, I <laughs> say I lost my vorostatin prescription. Uh, you know, thieves broke into my car, whatever, and get two 90 day uh, supplies of it. Right. And now you have to usually pay for that second one, but at least you have it. And the, the moral of the story there is, you know, you should bank up on those things that, that are necessary for your health or your life. Um, but if you have anything that is wrapped around an internet or an automated communication system, and that goes down and you have no way to sandbag it, like temperature, uh, uh, you know, things that need to be temperature controlled or things that require electricity or whatever, you need to, you need to, you need to do some calculations there and you need to figure out, you know, where you're going to go and what you're going to do. But for the rest of us, transportation system shut down. I did a video last year. I think I drove around just my local community and I went, this is a flood control sensing unit. Uh, this is a rain thing. It's can, you know, it hooks up to this box that has that Yagi antenna that points to South mountain that tells an industrial control to open up a gate or flip a switch or, you know, perform some type of activity. If you take all of those systems down and it's the middle of a rainstorm or there's a wildfire or just you want to just fuck with shit, you could completely shut down the traffic in a major city within moments. And if you have a major national cyber attack, you're you're shutting down the rail system, the all the trucks that operate on these integrated logistics systems, all the warehouse and industrial control systems, all the power systems, everything gets shut down. And then at that point, uh, you know, it's, it's as you stated, people will die from that. People will die from the lack of a, you know, thermal control. So air conditioning and heating, either just not triggering anymore because it's controlled at central offices or whatever the case may be. And the amount of chaos and confusion that would be created in those disrupted traffic events, whether it's freezing cold winter or heat of summer in Arizona, People don't carry water. They don't carry get home bags. They don't they don't have uh, access to like the nearest place to cool off if you're in the middle of I-10. And then they the don't even think place. about it, Drew. It's not that yeah. they don't have it. They don't think about it because it's been good. It's the, the entire entire society has been ingrained in the idea that we can stop and get it on demand. Literally everything we can get it on demand. Our whole society is that way. Think about how you how many. Question for the group. How many times do you go to the grocery store a week? A couple. Yeah, I go a couple too. And uh, it's it, it's a Costco people, so we it's a little wider spaced. Oh, I say, Murphy, my God, we gotta go to Costco and get the pellet of beef. <laughs> oh my god. My wife has a gal that goes to Costco for her. I said that's worth paying whatever it's worth because I pulling into Costco on a Saturday morning is not a good time. No, so, no, no. You got to do like a Tuesday evening. <laughs> hey, Troop, I wanted to ask you a question um, because you've obviously got a lot of background in this. I, I worked at the other end of things in uh, uh, emergency management uh, at the state level in Pennsylvania years ago. Um, but what I wanted to ask you is the, the book One Second After, which was followed on by, what was it? One, one year after, one week after, whatever. I mean, I think the guy wrote about three books. Yeah, I read them all. I was going to say, how accurate do you find that information? And is that something you would recommend people read? I haven't read those books, so I, I can't comment on that. But I will go and find those books and read them. I'm assuming that it is probably going through some type of journey where 
you got down to that last can of garbanzo beans in the back of your pantry and all of a sudden it looked pretty good and then those were gone and then the you know the things that i i write about in a in a disaster state net mainly are water and sanitation so i wrote a pretty extensive white paper on that and things just as simple as you're going to have to establish a burn pit in you know the local park or wherever you're going to have to find a place to put dead bodies and animals you're going to have to be sensitive when you recover those bodies. You're going to have to write as much information down as you can about where you found them, how you think they died, what time you found them, because there may be an investigation. You may not be able to identify them. Uh, you need to store them with whatever identification or even just a piece of paper in a bag so it doesn't get, uh, you know, turned to shit and all the all the bio, uh, you know, that, that likes to dissolve things and all the realities of a society where you don't have any kind of sanitation, medical care, emergency response, and that stuff will destroy the morale of a population very quickly. So well, that's the premise of the book is that they hit, they're hit with an EMP and then there's two to three days. Or it's actually 24 to 48 hours of just disorientation where the whole community is disoriented and they think it's just a power outage. And then they realize that the, 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 the town leadership figures out, that not only is it a um an emp attack but the whole country's down and so then they start making plans for rationing food rationing water for they don't talk about sanitation in the book and they don't talk about um any of the issues with potable water but they talk about starvation and illness because people are you know suffering from malnutrition and um, poor hygiene because of no running water and our society right now, especially under 40, would lose their lose their, their minds within two days because they're addicted to everything on demand. I don't see them being able to pivot and adjust. First yeah, of all, most of them, right. yeah, first of all, most of them couldn't accept the situation they're in in the first place, right? That's why I keep referring to Lawrence Gonzalez's book, Deep Survival, because he, he talks about, uh, a very important aspect of most people that survive situations like that. It's, it's accepting the situation you're no matter how fucked up it is. Like he, he talked about a situation. He describes a situation where a gal is in a boat with other people and she's, they have to evacuate from a ship because the, the ship is, is um, either capsized or sinks quickly. She doesn't have any pants on. She has no underwear on. They're ripped off and she's in a boat with other people. and She's got no clothes on in the middle of the ocean. And she and another guy start making plans for how they're going to get out of there and trying to keep their wits while other people are swimming away into the ocean and dying. And that's exactly what I see happening. I mean, have you ever seen a 14-year-old with a phone and you take their phone away? Jesus, they lose their mind in like 15 minutes. Imagine an entire population of that. It's oh, yeah. mayhem. I mean, they have children now, the little toddler age children. They stick a, some type of device in their face. I used to complain when I would go out to eat with my first wife all of my children are extremely well behaved because they tried acting up in the restaurant one time. And I said, if you're going to embarrass me, it's not going to end well for you. And all three of them got their ass beat in a restaurant because they didn't think I would do it because kids are really keen on, Oh, this, you know, it's going to embarrass mommy. I'm going to get away with it. Well, you're not going to get away with it. So when you see other people who have children and they don't behave, you, you know, you complain about it, right? It's like, I didn't bang your wife, dude. I want to put up with your kids bullshit. Well, now they just stick these devices in front of their face 
And half of them are hopped up on Adderall or whatever by the time they go into eighth grade because they, they don't have any perceptive ability at all. And it's uh, it's going to get ugly. And it isn't just the people like you're saying that are the uh, give me it right now. Uh, you know, I want I want everything right now. How come it's not working? Those guys are going to freak out. But those families that have established that total dependency upon technology or the government or whatever convenience, they're going to have all these other problems internally because those kids now are going to run out of Adderall. They're going to run out of uh, battery power. They're going to run out of games. They're going to run out of whatever. And then real life is going to hit and it's going to be it's going to be pretty difficult for them. So, you know, I would say stay out of the conflict space part of having that minimum 15 gallons of water is that that moment after you buckle down, you don't go anywhere, you stay out of the conflict space, you let everybody do what they're going to do, you let the information start to flow. And then also, and you know, I've told my wife this, uh, people don't quite understand is go ahead and go down to the uh, to the middle school a week or two after the disaster with your empty bucket and go get your free water and loaf of bread because there's going to be people operating no matter where you go. And I think this group of people on the on this call right now know this better than most. Anywhere you go in the world where there's a conflict space, people still live their lives. In the middle of a war zone, they're going to have a bazaar. They're going to go to the store. They're going to get water. They're going to go to their, their you know friend's house. They're going to go to family parties and events. I don't care what's going on. People are going to live their lives. So the first step is to stay out of the conflict space and have enough of your own provisions to be able to do that, preferably five weeks worth, but wait a week or two. And then once you, once you see that uh, the, uh, you know, some type of disaster response is, is in play, go out there and put yourself out there and go get the free water, go surveil your neighborhood, go start making contacts, go see who's, who's who and what's what, and then, you know, kind of ride the wave. Um, Anyway, don't don't run outside the front door with your plate carrier and your AR-15. Well, there's going to be that crowd too, right? Because that, that, that's the crowd that thinks that we should be just out indiscriminately shooting people right now because that's going to solve every problem. And, you know, it's not, right? And we, we and, and I keep going back to the same thing every time. I Because I get hit with the, the, those guys hit me all the time. Like, sir, just give me the order. I'll start shooting people. Yeah. Like, Who's the fucking enemy? Even though I always tell those guys, you should have a one gallon of water per bullet ratio. So if you think you need a thousand rounds of ammo, you should have a thousand rounds, a thousand gallons of water, and then get your thousand rounds of ammo. Right? You know, at least at least until you got you know two hundred and fifty gallons of water, and then go ahead and buy all the ammo you want. But I, I don't think a lot of people realize you're not going to need more than four or five rounds. Or the FBI death squad already kicked your door in, and you're going to be dead in five seconds. Your rifle's going to be in the next room. Yeah, so well, yeah. how much ammo do I need is kind of overplayed. Uh, for most well, people and that's the other piece so let's kind of shift gears and let's 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 make the jesus rented lips today I'm telling you let's make this our last topic the one thing i want to talk about which we we never seem to get around to but let's spend some time talking about it is we started talking about it the last the last time we did this round table and i want to touch on how do we how do we what do we need to do so that we don't you know, we get to the other side of this and we start putting things in place. What do we need to do to make sure this shit never happens again? Because the, here's the hard part with this conversation, because I get hit with this one too. The hard part with this conversation is that 
every time you start talking about changing the constitution or changing the way we operate or changing the country, people lose their minds and they stop listening. We fundamentally have to change society as a whole in order for us to come out of this and this not to happen again. Part of that's going to be changing our economic system. Part of that is going to be changing our belief system. Part of that's going to be changing our religious system. Part of that's going to be reforming the way that we operate government. And I think that's going to take a tremendous amount of thought from some very smart people, way smarter than me, to be able to look at all the aspects of it, right? Because just look at how hard it is to do a paper currency with all the fraud associated with that, the the counterfeiting, the the embezzlement, the money laundering, all those pieces need to be solved, right? And the elite's answer to that is, we'll just take control of everything and, and give you what you need. That's That system's not going to work either, right? It's because it's like communism in its purest form. It doesn't work because people don't want to be under the thumb of a, of a tyrannical government. They want to be free. I saw that in Iraq. You know, every time they tried to implement Sharia law, everybody in the community said, yeah, you can stop talking now. None of us want that. And then it would go away. But every single, you know, cycle, every time a new, a new, you know, imam or ayatollah would come out and start talking Sharia law, they would just stop talking eventually because the sheikhs would go say, okay, you're done talking. So, I know that the, the the population at large doesn't want to live under that kind of rule. But how do we get there, number one? Number one and number two, what do we need to do to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Well, that's a very complex question, obviously. I mean, this, this is an entire chat unto itself, right? Yeah, five minutes, go. Uh, so, number one, recognize some of the challenges we face right out of the gate historically we've had some decent people in places like military leadership today we can't really say that because a lot of those four stars we know who appointed them we know they're already compromised so we're going to have to identify effective uh, ethical selfless leaders from from a civil standpoint as well as military standpoint that's going to be critical um, you know, the second thing is we don't have to be in a hurry to change the constitution. We do have to be in a hurry to enforce it because that's really one of the greatest challenges we are faced with at the moment is we have a, a justice department that is completely off the rails, completely compromised, uh, from the Supreme court on down. And you talk about what we need to do to uh, to get to the other side and make sure that this, these things don't happen again and our society doesn't unravel. Well, I can think of several suggestions, but at, at the very least, based upon human nature, you have to have some rather severe enforcement. You're going to have to put people in jail. You're going to have to take people that got us here and severely punish them and make it abundantly clear that that's just not going to be tolerated whatsoever in the future. And I'm not saying hunt everybody down and kill them, but I am saying some of this stuff needs to be made public and um, trials and other things. There needs to be a process, but uh, accountability is still critical. Because like you said, 
half the people are standing around with their, their hands on their hips saying, what's the difference? Nobody's doing anything. Nobody's enforcing anything. I mean, we've got, you know, Federal Bureau of Investigation completely compromised with with young uh, young agents that have been, you know, subject to left wing professors for years and years, and now they get in and they they think they're doing something noble, and you know they're woke and they don't even realize how they're brainwashed. So, you know, we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to establish certain ground rules right out of the gate. But it starts with good leadership that's ethical. I think I think in the long range, in the long run, um, you take a look at how our education system is structured. We've got to completely revamp that. Um, you look at how the communists have infiltrated with their, oh, their concepts yeah. and things like that. Yeah, that we has need got, to... we've, that's got to be wiped clean from the slate. Well, the two things have to happen there. And we just need to call space spade. The first one is we need to we need to get rid of the Department of Education in its entirely and return all the power Absolutely. back to the state. Absolutely. Then the next thing we need to do is go through the states and get rid of every fucking communist sympathizer and put them in prison or execute them for treason. Because what they're teaching kids right now is nothing short of satanic. And I don't care who you are. The, the fact that the school boards have been able to dictate what happens to kids in school and then not only preach to them that they should be doing gender, you know, gender altering surgeries and castration. Everybody that promotes that needs to be executed because that's a crime against humanity. And if we and this is part of the reason why I am the way I am, because I can't stand talking around the problems that are facing us. When you talk to the problem, you can solve it. But we spend all of our time trying to be polite and politically correct. We need to start talking to the problem. That's the first step. Then the next step is holding people accountable publicly, public executions. And I mean, wholesale public executions for some of this. Sorry that this, this one gets under my craw. And I know a lot of people in the education business and I've, I've had just knocked down, drag out confrontational shouting matches with them because they're all retarded. I think I think putting a yard arm up in the town square is something that would happen in in a lot of communities, and people would endorse that. Yeah, but you know, it's it's we talk about education. That's one thing. Uh, one of the major factors we've got to really get a leash on is the media. We have got to have uh, truth and honesty and effective investigation, and we've got to educate people because you could go through an event, a cataclysmic event, um, you could go through with our entire 330 million, you know, person population in this nation, and half the people really won't understand what the hell happened. We've got to educate people and explain it, because, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. And for those people who are just brain dead, disinterested, uh, have been have been indoctrinated to the nth extreme. They need to be re-educated. They need their eyes opened, and they need to understand exactly how we got here. Well, they need. We need to do what we did with the the the, the German public after World War II. I've said this before. Yeah. We need to show them unequivocally the crimes that have been committed against humanity by these people, 
especially yeah. the crimes against children. You show them that, and you don't you don't get to look away this time. You don't get to pretend it didn't happen. You don't get to you don't get to say that you didn't see it or you didn't know. You don't get to say that anymore. You get to see exactly what you've been ignoring and was right under your nose the entire time. They tell us everything they're going to do in movies, in print, in social media before they do it. And most people don't want to pay attention to it. And this is when yet another one of those topics that gets under my skin is I literally had somebody say to me today, you know, you're full of shit talking about crimes against kids. I'm like, really? Explain to me why. Red rooms don't exist. They don't do that to children. That's a, that's a fictitious conspiracy theory. And I'm looking at this gal like, are you serious? But then I realized this is a bulk of the population that just can't get themselves to believe that something that nefarious actually is taking place right now. Like most people don't realize that they're in troop. You can chime in on this one anytime. The cartels publish videos of dismembering people all the time. They're, they're floating around everywhere. And people still say, oh, that's conspiracy theory. Oh, that's CGI. They can't look away this time. They see it all. We show them everything. We show them the doomsday tapes. And then we hold people accountable for it. That's yeah, how this has to go. Every every 50 to 75 years, God kicks the earth because man tries to do stuff. And man's very intelligent. And man evolves to this point of um, arrogance where they, society thinks that they don't need God anymore. And then God kicks the anthill again. So every 50 to 75 years... And this is layered too, because this happens, uh, you know, almost con consistently across different uh, countries or societies. But you know, per like in the United States, uh, eighty years ago, we we said we're never going to fight another war like this again. And then we're immediately in Korea, and then we're immediately in Vietnam, and then we had a good amount of peace until you know the Gulf War. But we had all those other hotspots around the world that we were funding between uh, nineteen seventy and, and nineteen ninety, but. We'll have this conversation again in another 50 to 75 years, whoever, whoever's going to come after us. And they're going to go, this time, this great evil, we're going to learn from it. And we're going to do this, this, and this. Because it's the same thing that happened 50 years before we had this conversation and 50 years before World War II and 50 years before that. So I think in our time, we, we do want to... Uh, you know, you're always going to have the valiant and the courageous, and you're always going to have the great evil. And, and you, when I'm out there, like treating homeless people and stuff like that, and on the videos I do, I remind people, look, the good Lord created this beautiful green earth that we're on, but Satan is the fucking landlord down here, and we need to work around his shit. So there's always going to be an evil guy. There's always going to be a um, you know some type of dictator. There's always going to be some malcontent. And there's always going to be arrogant man who turns away from their own humility and evolves into all of these temptations and desires that have been laid forth before us to just basically deceive humanity into destroying itself again. So this is just going to continue to happen. And um, I never take that personally. This is a world that we're in. And I never take it personally that we have enemies, communists, leftists that are trying to destroy this country. Because if I do take it personally, then I'll get emotional. And if I get emotional, then I won't think clearly. So I think 
what I want to kind of close on is to remind everybody that this has happened before. This will happen again. But this time, we're the ones up at bat. So we better be ready to swing that son of a bitch when the balls come flying. I would add a couple of comments. Um, first of all, if you if you go back and you check the history of how stan- standardized textbooks got into our schools, not just medical schools, but public schools, you'll find the hand of the Rockefellers central in that. And, I mean, they have been uh, all over the destruction of the nuclear family and a number of what we would call traditional values and concepts in our society. Um, I think there's nothing unreasonable about going back, reintroducing the Bible and having it taught in schools for a couple of reasons. First of all, the whole concept of separation in church and state was completely perverted by the Supreme Court decisions back in 1936 and 37 under Roosevelt. I'm not getting into the details of that, but it it would be very easy to go back to the prior understanding of the separation of church and state. And so reintroducing a concept of ethics back into our curriculum is is perfectly viable because one of the things that, that differentiates Christianity from other religions is that the doctrine of Christ is one of peace and love, um, which and, and and you know talking about concepts like the meek inheriting the earth. How can that be offensive or obnoxious to people? It's it's um, well, I think it's something that was a major part of our education system for the majority of our history as a nation. And getting back to that would be firm footing to go forward upon. The other thing I wanted to add was. Um, Lost my train of thought for a second. Um, Oh, uh, I I got it back. So the other thing I wanted to touch upon is this. I think we all recognize that whether we talk about um, the fourth turning and this 80 to 100 year cycle that that we seem to go on, essentially a a very long lifetime for a human being, or you go through different um, phases, if you will, in society. And human beings have to go back and sort of relearn the same uh, lessons over in a cyclic fashion. The difference today compared to this having been gone through by people a generation or a generation and a half ago, and by the you know generations further back, the difference today is that we are the first generation that has the capacity to destroy the planet. Nuclear proliferation of nuclear weapons and things on that scale, global communications, things on that scale. This is this is really the first time we're going through this um, at with this broad and depth of development in human history. And I think that makes this more impactful and and it, it elevates the necessity of doing things right more than we've ever seen in the past. I disagree with that, Dave. I think uh, I would add, I would add this, that we have to evolve as a species. If we want to go out into space, we can't take these politics to space. It's that simple. And we have the capability right now to go to space and sustain in space. It wouldn't be pretty. It would be logistically hard, 
but that's we have the capability to do that right now. And I don't, I'm not trying to turn this into a ethereal Star Trek conversation, but I'm trying to say that we're at the we're at the the precipice of development where we need to evolve as a species past the current state of affairs. And there's history is replete with with dictators, with tyrannical governments, with war, with pestilence, with famine. It's replete throughout history. But one thing that's changed in the last 100 years, especially since World War II, is that society as a whole has gotten more technologically advanced to the point where we the next thing we're going to have to deal with is AI. That's going to be the next part. We as a species are going to have to mature past that yes. because we can't operate like this. We can't operate in this fashion with AI, especially, heaven forbid, if that AI becomes sentient, then we have a bigger problem in front of us. And that would be the absolute worst case scenario. But you're right. Teaching civics, teaching religion, teaching how money's made, teaching how money's created, all of those things have been taken out of the schools for a very specific reason. So only a few people at the top really understand how it all works. We need to reverse all of that, teach people critical thinking again, teach them how to do research and question. We don't even teach them that. We teach them get along to go along. And in, in order for us to just mature as a society, we have to figure out another way to deal with things other than war. And I think this war in Ukraine is showing the world that we haven't we haven't progressed anywhere. We're still doing trench warfare from World War One. It's just different technology doing it now. And for for the world to mature past, and I think we're seeing that in the world stage. I think we're seeing the world come together in a way that we've never seen in our lifetimes because the U.S. isn't the dominant force on the planet dictating what's going on. And you're seeing, I mean, just look at what's going on in Niger. That that whole situation is going to develop, but it's a brilliant play. They're forcing the French to either capitulate or invade. And neither one of those options are going to be good for France either way. And that I can't help but think that that's society maturing, saying we want our own destiny back. That's why I have a lot of faith in the American people. I mean, it, it takes a lot to get Americans off their ass, but once they're up and moving, then guess what? They're unstoppable, and that's where we're headed. We're headed for that cataclysmic, cataclysmic moment where people wake up and realize, okay, not, not everything's great in Camelot. It's time to do something. But unfortunately, a lot of people are going to die between now and then before we get before we get organized. And that's how it always goes. You're right, Troop. This goes every 100 years we go through this. Well, any closing thoughts from you guys before we close this out, outside of that? Stock up on your water first and make sure you don't uh, spend any money that you used to pay your bills on stuff you don't need. I was going to make a strange comment, just an observation uh, of historical note. We often think that we get more and more advanced. I can remember as a, as a kid, my best friend growing up's father was a, I think, Rensselaer Polytech Institute, egghead, genius guy, was very high up in Bell, Bell Telephone, before the divestiture. And I remember having a conversation with him talking about a nuclear exchange 
and how that would affect communications, people being cut off. And he smiled and he looked at me and he said, Dave, I will tell you. He said, the government has actually had us war game this out and exercise this in great detail because it's, it's truly one of, uh, one of the main concerns. What we found was that there was no scenario we could create where we could wipe out telephone communication throughout the entirety of the country. The redundancies were so exhaustive that even with full-fledged nuclear exchange with Russia, they had workarounds that were going to be effective. And yet here we are today with systems that are that much more vulnerable than the landlines that we used to have. And, uh, you know, it seems ironic. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure I wouldn't rather go back uh, to some of those things from the past because they just, uh, there's a reliability there that was tough to get around. Well, the one thing that that will exist no matter what will be landlines, right? Or, or sorry, they, what they had back then was landlines, right? They had this this interconnected right. network of hardwired. We still have that. We have fiber cable. We have copper. There's still a lot of copper cable underground. There's still a lot of copper cable above ground. And Americans are resourceful, right? They're going to figure it out. And, you know, I hate to say it. This will sound draconian, but we need to go through this to remind ourselves of, of you know, how fortunate we are. It's a, it's, it's a necessary evil at this point. And, it, you know, if that's the next order of battle, so be it. But at the end of the day, the uh, I think the key piece is we need to get back to basics with every institution in our society and then just rebuild with people that have a, you know, a they have a moral compass that's based on selfless service. And I think those people still exist. A lot of them still exist, but it's outside the beltway. And, you know, religion is just as, as ripe for, for reform as any other institution. But we have to start. And, and this was actually brought up on Joe Rogan, of all places, that, and I think it was Bill Maher that said it, of all freaking people, that Americans need, a, you know, the world, humans need a higher purpose in order for good things to happen. And I, I think just in general, people need a higher purpose. So I think that is that that is a fundamental piece of this is what is our what's the higher purpose we're trying to serve? Right now, the higher purpose is we need to restore the constitution and we need to restore the republic to a working fashion that's for the people of the people, right? We all agree on that. But beyond that, the entire planet needs a needs a purpose. What are we What are we striving to do as a society? What do we want to do? Is we've lost that. That's why you have all these fractured alliances around the planet because not everybody can agree on what the bigger picture should be. If you look back to the moon landing in '69, whether you believe it or happened or not, doesn't matter. The point is, is that we we had the entire world paying attention to that event. That's what we need to get back to. Anyway, on that, I'm going to close tonight. I appreciate you both jumping on this. I know this was a bit disjointed, but uh, I appreciate the, the conversation. I appreciate your thought. And I think whatever comes in the next few few weeks is going to be very interesting for all of us. And I appreciate everybody jump, jumping on uh, the live chat tonight. And we'll do this again next week. God bless everyone. One team, one fight.
Hoo-ah. Hoo-ah. Good night. Good night. Out here.